Welcome to another episode of Piano Rhapsody, an amateur's guide to classical piano. This is a podcast where you follow the musical journey of an amateur piano player who is striving to play advanced level works one day, specifically Gershwin's Rhapsody in Blue, which is where the podcast gets its name. Every week we break down one of the pieces that I encounter along the road to this goal, ranging from the 18th century all the way up to modern day. We'll explore the history surrounding the work, examine the music within, and hopefully we all walk away a little more informed and appreciative of classical music. This is episode 16.3, the third entry in a series where we are discussing the intersection between color and music through a collection of piano pieces by Kevin Olson called Impressions on Color. May this also be known as the episode where I have COVID, which you may be able to gather from my voice, but we're just going to edit out a lot of coughing and get through this week's episode. So we've talked blue, we've talked red, and today we're going to talk about green. But before we do that, I'd like to amend a small error. During the first episode of the series two weeks ago, I listed the colors of the rainbow. Except even though I just mentioned the Roy G. mnemonic seconds beforehand, I only listed six colors. I skipped right over green. Even though it's my favorite color. So my apologies to green, and I'd like to make it up to you by devoting an entire episode to your historical legacy. Depending on where you live, green is probably the most widespread color you see when you look outside your window. That's because green is the color of chlorophyll, the chemical that plants use to convert sunlight into energy. Green keeps us going. It's full of hope. Remember that green light from the Great Gatsby? Green is also the color of life. In fact, the origins of the word green can be traced to Old English and German words for grow and grass. And even more interesting, in old versions of Asian languages like Chinese, Japanese, and Vietnamese, Green and blue actually share the same word. Green was considered a shade of blue, and didn't merit its own distinction. Some of the first green pigment was created in ancient Rome by adding wine to copper, which creates a green powder that forms on the metal. They called it verdigris. It was a lovely, unique green-blue color, but it was an unstable paint and horribly toxic. Leonardo da Vinci wrote about it in his treatise of painting warning artists not to use it. But it was used all the way up to the late 19th century, where it was replaced by its safer and more stable chrome green. Green is also the color of money. Even before the green American dollar, green was the color of wealth in post-classical and early modern Europe. While red was the color of nobility, green was the color of the gentry, the bankers, and the merchants. The seats of British Parliament reflect this color scheme, The seats in the House of Lords are red, while those in the House of Commons are green. Perhaps the most well-known painting in the world, the Mona Lisa, depicts Lisa del Giocondo, the wife of a silk and cloth merchant. She's wearing a green costume, establishing her firmly in all of our minds for eternity as a member of the European merchant class. Green. It's the color of trees, grass, emeralds, jade, Frogs, turtles, alligators, grasshoppers, caterpillars, geckos, kale, broccoli, spinach, avocado, limes, cucumbers, kiwis, peas, herbs, lettuce, olives, American money, pool tables, four-leaf clovers, 
Kermit the Frog, Yoshi the Dinosaur, Oscar the Grouch, the Grinch, the Jolly Giant who slings vegetables, Hulk when he's angry, the Wicked Witch of the West, Shrek, the Starbucks logo, and I won't even mention what they say about the green M&Ms. Green is the color most associated with nature, life, rebirth, health, youth, spring, hope, and envy. Similar to red, green also has a paradoxical element. It's the color of life and health, but in the Western world, it's also the color associated with poison and sickness. Huh, how timely. See, I contracted COVID specifically for this podcast episode. One must suffer for their art. But these associations don't exist in Asia. Green is an extremely positive color, often linked with fertility. Green has also played an interesting role in politics. Since it's so strongly associated with nature, green has become the trademark color of the environmental movement, with political parties from multiple countries actually calling themselves the Green Party. Green also plays somewhat of a political and cultural role in the country of Ireland, who has a storied tradition with the color, violently pinching citizens when they don't wear green. No, I I don't think that's actually true. I think it's only on St. Patrick's Day. Which, speaking of, the Chicago Plumbers Union dyes the Chicago River green every year for St. Patrick's Day. You can also get green beer at just about every bar around the city. You know, it's a great day celebrating non-toxic artificial green dye. In Goethe's color theory, green is the color for useful. And Goethe included it in two temperaments. The phlegmatic temperament, the intelligent one associated with mucus and brain tissue, along with the color yellow, and also with the sanguine temperament. The temperament of sensuousness, associated with blood, also paired with the color blue. Okay, so that's a pretty good primer on green. Let's get to the music now. Under the title of Impressions on Green, Kevin Olson includes four adjectives. Balanced, compassionate, soothing, and relaxed. He chooses to write the piece in the key of G major, the key of gentle peace. Rustic, idyllic, poetic, lyrical, calm and satisfied, tenderness and gratitude, friendship and faith. So the key already seems like a good fit for what Olson had in mind. The color associated with G major is emerald green. It's not as bright green as E major, but it makes up for that in subtlety and grace. So the analysis of G major couldn't fit more snugly into this idea of green. One of the best examples of G major in the piano world is the extremely well-known Bach minuet in G. This is one of the entry-level Bach pieces that can be found in Anna Magdalena's notebooks, a perfect embodiment of poetic, lyrical calm. So what does Olsen do to emulate this sense of green serenity? Well, to create stability and balance, he anchors the piece in the left hand. The left hand provides a steady stream of eighth notes, marking the beat. Even and flowing, like water. 
Then he sprinkles in a melody line with the right hand that kind of sounds like ripples on this calm water. A little later on, this theme evolves with a shift two octaves higher, keeping the same idea of evenness in the left hand. As the piece builds, the left hand changes its rhythm a bit to add some variety and a new layer to the piece. This is the part that leads right into the climax. But a piece that is supposed to be calm and serene shouldn't have a climax at the end. That was last week. That was red. In green, the climax comes right in the middle. And then we go right back to where we started. And true to the color of green, we're going to spend the next two pages just winding down. The left hand changes slightly, once again, at the back end of the piece keeping the same even tempo, but with less notes, which gives the effect of dialing things down. The right hand continues to sprinkle in ripples, and as you might expect from a piece that is trying to emulate the energy of a balanced, relaxed green, it ends by just fading away. Here is Kevin Olson's Impressions on Green.
we're going to close out our tour of the rainbow next week with the mysterious emotional color of indigo. If you'd like to learn any of these pieces yourself, I've provided a link to purchase the whole collection in the episode description. Hopefully I'll be on the mend by next week. I'll talk to you then. Stay well. You can find the standalone recording of the piece we discussed today directly in the podcast feed. Check out Piano Rhapsody on SoundCloud for all of the tracks heard on this podcast and more. You can find me on Twitter at Piano Rhapsody or email me at pianorhapsodypodcast at gmail.com. If you haven't already, the best way to support the podcast is to hit the subscribe button on your podcatcher and consider rating or leaving a five-star review. It's the easiest way to never miss a new episode, and it helps the podcast gain more visibility. Thanks as always for your time and your ears. And remember, the piano keys are black and white, but they sound like a million colors in your mind.